0: Chapter 5 of Secret History Revealed by Lady Peggy O'Malley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Secret History Revealed by Lady Peggy O'Malley. By Charles Norris Williamson and Alice Muriel Williamson. Chapter 5. In the remaining six weeks of his leave eagle march made himself very popular in england he secured a record for altitude and flew upside down longer than anyone else had at that time two years ago which is a whole age in the airplane world he did other quaint tricks too that nobody had thought of or accomplished then such as walking on a wing of the monoplane when she was in the air and all the prettiest and smartest women in london were proud to meet him he was invited everywhere and people who pretended to know said that peeresses married and unmarried made violent love to captain march naturally a girl like di was enchanted to lead him about tied to what would have been her apron strings if she'd been frumpish enough to wear such things When it began to be said that Eagle March found excuses not to accept invitations unless Lord Ballyconnell and Lady Di O'Malley might be expected to turn up, Father and Diana were asked by a great many hostesses who wouldn't have thought of them except as bait. Di realized this, even if Father were too proud or too conceited to do so. AND SHE USED EAGLE IN EVERY WAY FOR ALL HE WAS WORTH. SHE LIKED HIM, TOO, BETTER THAN SHE'D EVER LIKED ANY MAN, PERHAPS, EXCEPT HER FIRST LOVE, THE HANDSOMEST IRISH BOY YOU EVER SAW, WHOM SHE COULDN'T THINK OF MARRYING, BECAUSE HE'D NO FAMILY AND NO MONEY. BUT SHE WAS ONLY SEVENTEEN THEN, AND JERRY TAYLOR WAS A MERE SUBALTERN. HE DIED IN INDIA, of venteric when di was eighteen and before captain march came on the scene she had liked and flirted with at least a dozen others besides eagle march was a very different proposition as they say in his country from poor jerry taylor there was no reason why she shouldn't think of marrying him if he wanted her and he did want her desperately A moderately intelligent bat could have seen that he was dying for my lovely sister anyhow she saw it and i saw that she saw it and that she was troubled as to which way to make up her mind she didn't want to lose her golden eagle with his brilliant plumage of fame and popularity and the future fortune from his aunt on the other hand through eagle Di had met a number of desirable men some moneyed some titled and she was a girl who would rather marry a rich nobody of the country she had known than fly with a hero to a land she knew not i used to notice in her soft thoughtful eyes the wait and see policy as the time drew near for eagle to go back to his regiment on the other side of the world things grew exciting. I felt electricity in the atmosphere. Though Diana didn't confide in me, and I had no idea what she meant to do, I couldn't bear to think of Eagle having to suffer, as he must suffer, if she threw him over. For already I knew enough of him to know that quiet as he was, he had very deep and sensitive feelings. I am too young even now, after all i have lived through in the last year or two to set myself up as a judge of character yet i couldn't then help forming my own opinion of all those who came near me i seemed to see under eagle march's simple half humorous calmly deliberate manner flashes of inner fire i thought his character was not fully simple at all but very complex i don't mean in a deceitful way Far indeed from that but i believed there was much in him which he did not yet know himself about himself i fancied that the southern blood he had in his veins from one side of his family had made him high-strung and passionate as well as daring quick to think and quick to act and that his study was to hold this side of his nature in check i felt sure he was generous even to a fault yet i was certain that if driven to desperation there might be a cruel streak which would make him a dangerous enemy unless some tide of love broke down the barrier of hardness in his soul he was not hard at that time however and i didn't want my sister to be the one to make him so for this reason i sometimes wished that she would marry him and give him as much happiness as she had it in her to give. And yet, apart from my own feelings, they didn't count, for his losing Di would not give him to me. I couldn't believe that having her would really be for his happiness in the end. The two hadn't one idea or taste in common, but all I could do was to hope that whatever happened it would be for his best because you see knowing him and having that chevron of black and gold as a reward of valor had made me a nicer less selfish girl than i had been before we met because i loved a soldier i wanted to be a soldier too hardly anything of the pert minx remained in me i used to think sometimes and comparatively little of the pig or cat this was fortunate because when toward the last he confided in me everything bad that was left in my composition longed to turn and rend diana the way he did this made it all the harder for me not to desert the colours he told me that ever since the day when i had been such a little trump in the air and maybe saved both our lives i'd been more to him than any other female thing except of course my sister something in diana's weakness had appealed to him as much as my strength and he loved her with a different love from the affection he gave me i was his little sister his brave little friend and because i was so dear to him he dared to ask me What chance he had with Diana? Did I think she tried to keep him from telling her what he felt, because she didn't care, and wanted to save him pain, or was there just a possibility that she was only shy? I could have given a bitter laugh to both questions, because the truthful straight-out answer to one and the other was the same. no. Di loved to get proposals, and counted them up as if they were scalps, or those horrid little soft boneless masks which headhunters collect. The only trouble was that among the lot she had never had one scalp worth the wearing, for a real live beauty who needed only a bit of luck to be at the top of the world. As for her shyness, it was all in the tricks she played with her eyelashes. And the way she curved her upper lip but I didn't laugh I merely said I wasn't sure how Diana felt as she never talked to me about such things and I got for answer spoken reflectively I suppose not you're too much of a child he knew by this time that I was sixteen instead of thirteen as he had thought at first but what you're not much interested in makes little impression on your mind if you're a man and in love. For him I was a child, a nice sympathetic child, and such affection as he gave me, I lived upon as if it had been the washings from a cup of the elixir of life. For his sake, I studied Di more closely than ever after that day, and soon I understood what she was driving at she wanted to have her cake and eat it too and she got it any girl can manage this if she's clever enough and i though she isn't bookish or intellectual is very very clever in the way women have been clever since they emerged from cave life she succeeded in keeping back a real proposal which she would have had to answer with a yes or no but she hinted to captain march that if she could have just a little more time to think about it with the glamour of his presence gone she would probably realize that she couldn't be happy without him of course it would be a blow for poor dear bally if she married out of ireland or england but still but still only give her time to read her heart Eagle told me of the scene between them, and of course I saw exactly what Di was up to. But I caged all the wild cats in me and said I was glad, if he were happy. Yes, indeed, I'd take care of Di for him, and write him how she looked and what she did, and use all my influence to make Father escort us both over to America as soon as possible." Di, it seemed, had also agreed to use her influence in bringing this result about. I couldn't tell, at the time, whether she had thrown the promise as a sop to keep Eagle quiet, or whether she really thought that she would like to go. All I knew was that if she did use her influence, and Father could get hold of enough money, the thing was as good as done. Eagle took his departure and we and lots of his new friends went to houston to see him off for liverpool di no doubt secretly thinking that sort of public good-bye safer than a private one as for our going to america the scheme hung by a thread as i guessed soon after eagle's back was turned a bird in the hand is always worth at least two in the bush and di's hand was ready If the right bird could be palmed before the season's end, it would mean that nothing of Di except her wedding cards would sail across the sea. But as it turned out, homebirds were wary, and we crept back to Ireland in time for the horse show, with Diana empty-handed, and Father with pockets cleaned out. It was then that Di seriously set her thoughts upon the new world new worlds it is said being easier to conquer than old ones father had two or three acquaintances in the diplomatic service at washington he hoped to squeeze invitations out of them for in a country entirely populated by monotonous misters and missuses with nothing more decorative than a colonel or a general or a judge even a poor irish earl isn't to be sneezed at Di needn't be handicapped by everyone remembering that her mother would have described herself as a music-all artist, and several Americans living in New York had asked us to their houses. At first, it wasn't proposed to take me if the family went, and the thought of going through again what I had endured when seeing Di and Eagle March together kept me from raising my voice in persuasion. It would be heart-wearing to be left behind, never to know what was happening except from an occasional letter. But to be on the spot and see for myself would be heartbreaking. I wasn't quite sure which would be worse, so I left the decision to fate. And as I said before, it was my Frenchified genius for doing hair which settled the matter. Di discussed it with father, frankly before me and argued that not only was i cleverer than the average maid but actually cheaper besides she finished peggy dear would like to go and she's not a bad little thing who knows she might pick up something over there for herself a picker-upper of unconsidered trifles the scotched not killed minx and me couldn't resist quoting at the suggestion that i was welcome to die's leavings if i could bag them but neither father nor die was paying the slightest attention by superhuman efforts in borrowing and perhaps begging i wouldn't put it past him and selling the portrait of our best-looking worst-behaved ancestor father scraped up enough money to take us to america and have a little over for traveling expenses there. Further than that he did not look, for we should be living board-free most of the time, and besides, something was almost sure to turn up. In December we sailed on a slow, cheap ship, and once on the other side lived for six weeks like the Lord and ladies we were, upon friends Di had carefully collected as if they were rare foreign stamps or postcards in London during the past season. Most of these she had met through Eagle. She had a gorgeous time, and even I came in for plenty of fun, because it seems that a girl in America ceases to flap while she is still quite young. I was strictly reduced by my elders to just sixteen, although my seventeenth birthday was upon me but there were men in new york not above talking or tangoing with a girl of sixteen and my hair though only looped-up flapper fashion with a ribbon was actually admired i saw it in the newspapers not the hair but the admiration never were people so hospitable as those kind ones in new york and never were houses more beautiful or more luxurious than theirs. I had never seen anything quite like them at home. But it wasn't the luxury that stirred in my heart a wondering love for America. I began to feel it from the very moment when our cheap liner brought us into the harbor, and the Statue of Liberty about which Eagle had told me was suddenly unveiled to my eyes from behind a curtain of silver mist the thrill warmed my blood and i had the sensation of being at home as if i were coming to stay with kinsfolk a dim but deep conviction that i belonged that there was a place for me we were doing something from morning till night or rather till the next morning and the air was like a tonic to keep us up to the work of play luncheons and dinners and dances were given for Di, and she was written and talked about as the beautiful lady diana o'malley but though she had proposals nothing better offered than captain march whose rich aunt mrs cabot lived in new york and proved to be the genuine article consequently turned our attention to washington Washington also turned its attention to us and made itself agreeable to Father and Diana. Place and people were both fascinating. And we had five weeks more of dinners and dances. Without the result we all knew in our secret souls we had come to get. The men who wanted die, she didn't want, and vice versa. So at length we came to the last item marked on our program a visit to to the fashionable Alvarado Springs close to Fort Alvarado in Arizona where Captain March was stationed it was the end of March when we arrived at Alvarado and the newspapers were thickly sprinkled with the name of the Mexican president Huerta printed in big black letters a few weeks ago the name would have meant nothing to me but i hadn't lived in vain in washington for more than a month if the name of the mexican president or general who had done anything conspicuous during the past six years had been suddenly flung at my head as in the children's game where they shout beast bird fish and you answer before the count of three i could have told you who he was and whether the conspicuous deed had been good or bad alvarado we had thought to be past invitation zone and father had been fearfully hoarding his resources at the expense of his friends to hold out against high charges at a big hotel there was said to be a very big one indeed at the springs with bills to match but at the eleventh hour one of father's devoted band of rich widows the widows thoughtfully provided for him by deceased financiers took a furnished cottage there and asked us to visit her she was an unusually nice widow whose husband had made a fortune through inventing gollywogs with different eyes from other gollywogs the strain had given him a weak heart and he had died the widow's name was mrs main and i shamelessly christened her the main chance she certainly was ours mrs main whom we met in new york dashed off to alvarado springs a fortnight ahead of us in time to get acquainted through letters of introduction with the highest officers at fort alvarado and the wives of those who had any also to put the furnished cottage as she called it there must have been fifteen or twenty rooms in order and the night we arrived after our long but utterly fascinating journey she gave a dinner in honor of father and diana i had been tremendously interested in the whole trip from washington to arizona and with the first glimpse i had of the romantic springs i felt a thrilling sensation that it was a place where things were bound to happen the hotel as all who have heard of alvarado must know stands in the midst of a young forest overlooking a canyon that for color is like a vast cup full of rainbows and beyond the forest to the left is the garrison from the higher stories of the hotel you can see the red roofs of the officers quarters and farther away the barracks and the big bare drill ground but from the wide verandas no houses are anywhere visible except the colony of cottages built in spanish fashion like the hotel itself each having its own little garden with a flowery hedge from the glorified cottage mrs Maine had taken we could walk up to a dance at the hotel in five minutes i think eagle would have liked to meet us at the railway station but di had plenty of excuses for not allowing that he had met mrs main however and in the afternoon he called father was out prospecting round the little town and visiting the smart club at which he had been put up as an honorary member di and her hostess she made us call her kitty a sprightly name to which she struggled to live up to were in the garden when eagle came but i happened to be in the drawing-room with a book so i had about five minutes alone with him before mrs main's black butler found the others i hadn't tried as a well-regulated young girl would no doubt have tried to get over being in love with captain marsh i had just simply said to myself that the kind of unhappiness which loving him made me suffer was better than any little wretched pretense at half-baked happiness I could hope for by putting him out of my mind. So I had basked in the painful luxury of thinking about him constantly, and dreaming dreams of how I might serve or sacrifice myself for him, and win his passionate gratitude. Consequently, when I raised my eyes from the Spanish novel I wanted to translate and saw Eagle March come in at the door, I loved him a thousand times more than ever. I don't know if an unprejudiced person would call him actually handsome, but I thought there couldn't be on earth a man worth comparing with that brown faced soldier. He was glad to meet his dear little pal again because of what he could get out of her about his loved one. He did hold back his eagerness long enough to rattle off, Why, Peggy, you're growing up. By Jove, you're almost a woman, aren't you? And a pretty one, too. Though you've kept your impish look, I'm glad to see. But that was only the preface. As soon as he decently could, he turned the conversation to Diana how was she as beautiful as ever though of course she was did she ever speak of him he'd passed sleepless nights after reading newspaper paragraphs which reported her on the eve of an engagement with this man or that disgustingly rich overfed brutes was there a grain of truth in any of the reports no thank heaven well then perhaps there was a sporting chance for him after all but just like my luck he went on half laughing there's a chap here who's as formidable as any of them a regular twelve and a half inch gun latest make and improvements his name's van dyke only a major all the same he's got a pot of money there's hardly a man in the army as rich as he is if there's one soldiering means only fun for him most of us here are like me or if they don't come from generations of soldiers as i do they're in the service for a career van dyke will probably resign if he gets bored he's dining at this house tonight notice him and tell me what you think of him afterward will you you're coming too aren't you i asked mrs main kitty said you weren't i was so glad i should say i was coming he exclaimed catch me giving van dyke a clear field at the start if he is my superior officer you see van dyke but on the name as if it were her cue diana floated in and mrs maine steamed in with her through one of the long windows which opened onto the veranda after that i ceased to exist i wore white that night for the dinner party a good deal of what father was saving in hotel bills he put into clothes for her it was a new dress and sparkled all over like a moonlit lily crusted with dew i had a fancy to put on the frock with roses on it which i would bought at selfridges so many months ago with the money paid me by eagle for my mother's lace the dress was still alive and on active service, though the roses began to look somewhat sat upon, and Eagle had never seen me in it. Not that he would notice me now, but I had a queer feeling of sentiment about the gown, and often I had told myself that never, never would I throw it away. I should have had a much queerer feeling, if I'd known all that was yet to come, of my first meeting with Eagle March in the Water Street Curiosity Shop kitty main had explained that it wasn't to be a big tiresome dinner on our first night merely a few people she thought dear lord ballyconnell and lady di would like to meet and who would love to know them little peggy too of course was a belated gasp of politeness for me there would be besides ourselves only mr and mrs tony dalziel of new york their pretty daughter millicent just out their son lieutenant dalziel tony too major van dyke and captain march who was already our friend the gossips did suggest kitty had gone on to hint that millicent dalziel was rather throwing herself at captain march's head if an heiress could be said to throw herself at the head of a poor man but, of course, Millie wouldn't have a look-in now if dear Lady Di had any attention to spare for Eagleston March. Di, however, was taken in to dinner by Major Van Dyke and Millicent Alzeal by Captain March. It wasn't probable that Millie would give him much chance for talk with Lady Di, although he was to sit beside her. Good little Peggy would have young Tony so nice for both of them, and dear Lord Ballyconnell would be placed between his hostess and Mrs. Dalziel. I ought to have had eyes only for my special prey, Lieutenant Dalziel, but whether I pleased or bored him seemed so comparatively unimportant, that before the guests began to arrive, I found my faculties, preparing to concentrate elsewhere i hadn't mentioned the name of major van dyke while i did her hair or melted and poured her into the sparkly frock but i felt her consciousness of him in the air and when his name was announced at the door of the cottage drawing-room my heart gave a jump as if it wanted to peer over the high wall of the future he came before any of the others so I had time to make a quick black-and-white study of him in my brain. I say black-and-white because you would always think of Sidney Van Dyke in black-and-white. An artist sketching him on the cover of a magazine would need no other color to express the man, except, if he had it handy, a dash of red for the full lips under the black mustache. Major Van Dyke. The soft, drawling voice of Kitty's negro butler proclaimed him, and that was when my heart knocked its alarm. Kitty Maine generally described people in superlatives, so I hadn't been excited when she remarked that Major Van Dyke was the best-looking man in the army. But this time she seemed not to have exaggerated. There couldn't be a handsomer man in any army or out of it and a horrid sly little voice whispered to me what a splendid-looking couple he and i would make i was standing far in the background at a window opposite the door while the others were grouped together more in the foreground and what i saw was a very tall man so tall that he could dwarf eagle marches five foot ten almost to insignificance six foot two perhaps and not stout yet but showing signs that one day he might become so i noticed that he held himself magnificently his broad shoulders thrown back his head up and that he walked with a slight swagger more like a cavalry man than an officer in the artillery perhaps it was the electric light which made his skin look as white as diana's without a touch of the tan the darkened eagle March's fairer complexion but the white was of a different quality somehow from diana's hers is pearl white his had the thick untranslucent look which pale jewish faces have i didn't know then that Sidney van dyke was of hebrew blood but afterward i heard that his mother had spanish jews for ancestors on one side and that with her came most of the family money he was in full dress uniform which became him splendidly and i had a glimpse of a rather large face drawn with square straight lines that gave it a relentless look square white forehead straight black brows straight short nose large, squarely-opened dark eyes, brilliant and self-confident, straight black mustache, thick square red lips, square chin, and a full neck set on square shoulders. After that first glimpse, I saw only the profile, for in meeting Kitty Maine and being introduced to Di and Father, Major Van Dyke had to turn half away from me, Even a profile, however, tells something, and when Major Van Dyke began to talk to Di, bending down a little, I could see that he admired her very much, or else wanted to convey this impression to her mind. Next came Eagle March, very slim and boyish in shape and size compared to Major Van Dyke, though he can't be more than six years younger, and hardly had he time to greet his hostess and look wistfully at die when the dalziels arrived a party of four i thought that the father and mother a dear little merry round-faced couple curiously like each other and like billikin looked too young and irresponsible to be parents of anything grown up but perhaps they had married when they were almost children for Lieutenant Dalziel, who was inches taller than his father, had the happy air of being twenty-two or three, and Mrs. Main had said that the girl was just out. Young Tony, nut-brown eyes, skin and hair clean-shaven, smiling, with teeth white and even as kernels of American corn, was a glorified edition of his billiken father. Miss Dalziel, Millie, was not a bit like any of the others who had all been cut from the same pattern and painted with the same paint she was even slimmer and smaller than i am very fair with a few freckles and lots of blue veins at her temples she had an obstinate pink button of a mouth dimples which she made come and go every minute by working the muscles of her cheeks bright fluffy red hair done high on her head floating eyes of gray-green and blackened brows and lashes which i suppose had started life in red she gave an effect of prettiness and of thinking herself prettier than she was an opinion in which her dressmaker had backed her up Tony's zeal was jolly and said so many quaint things in priceless slang that he kept me laughing But i had eyes if not ears only for di and major van dyke say he's rushing your sister isn't he making a direct frontal attack what remarked my neighbor so it must have been conspicuous one could see major van dyke consciously absorbing diana throwing over her head a veil of his own magnetism as if to hide her in it from other men and make her forget their existence as for di she behaved perfectly if she wished to fascinate and tantalize a flirt such as Sidney vandyke was said to be she let herself seem to fall under his spell and then suddenly slipped gently away turning to captain march who sat at her other side she would talk to him in a friendly intimate way in a low voice with little happy outbursts of laughter over their reminiscences of a year ago and then half apologetically she would turn back to van Dyke again raising and letting fall her eyelashes in a way entirely her own which somehow gives the effect of a blush it was victorian or edwardian at latest but much more useful than any substitute girls have invented since that night began the battle which was to have so strange a finish I don't know if Major Van Dyke was serious at first. Perhaps he wanted no more than a good flirtation with a pretty girl, one of the prettiest he had ever seen, and desperately loved by a brother officer. You see, he had probably heard already from Kitty Maine, who told everything she knew, and a great deal she didn't know, that Captain March was in love with Di just as we heard from the same source that Major Van Dyke was jealous of his junior because of flying exploits and honors. I think, though, that from the moment they met, Di never meant to let the man go free. She saw that he was flirting, and was angry that he should dare. This put her on her mettle, and Diana on her mettle was and ever will be formidable because of her cleverness. Which never lets the metal show. She determined that Sidney Van Dyke should fall in love over ears and eyes in love, and he did. But she wasn't satisfied even with that. She couldn't bear to have Eagle March escape and perhaps be snapped up by Millie Dalziel, who was sitting on the bank of the fish pond with her hook baited. it must have been an amusing little comedy for outsiders to watch and i was an outsider in a way but it didn't amuse me i was sick at heart and cross with tony dalziel who wouldn't leave me alone and give me time to think things over this sort of maneuvering lasted for three weeks then a bombshell fell in our midst two batteries of the artillery were ordered immediately to el paso on the mexican border where a raid was apparently threatened major van dyke and captain march and lieutenant dalziel were all to go end of chapter five recording by john brandon